Hi, this is James, uh, aka uh, Young, and then Dan, are you there? This is Dan, aka Yin. <laughs> this is, uh, we're having another exciting guest, awesome. So, um, so I, I guess, Eddie, do you want to introduce yourself? I mean, I guess in that way you can present yourself how you want to be presented. <laughs> well, I mean, Eddie is fine. <laughs> And I'm not that exciting, just so you know. <laughs> okay. No, hey, my name's my name's Eddie, and I've been Dan's friend for how long? Almost thirty years. Wow. 30, wow, that is a long time. So, yeah, and I've been doing chole foot martial arts for how long, Dan? Since like since 98? ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, almost twenty years. Yes. So Choi Le yeah. Foot, okay, so I guess for me, I mean, Dan, Dan's spoken to me about it a little bit, but um, let's, let's, uh, let's talk, well, first of all, how'd you guys meet? Was it just in school, or did you guys meet in Choi Le Foot class? No, we met in, in ninth grade, and as far as Choi Le Foot is concerned, uh, I was Eddie's first teacher, or I, I told him about it because we were both interested in martial arts. We, we did kendo together. And yet, for those of you don't, who do not know what kendo is, kendo is a Japanese martial arts where they practice using the sword. But it's not what used with real swords. It's used with a bamboo sword. And you put really expensive armor on. It costs about 400 bucks for a whole set. And we did that for half a year, maybe. Yeah. But it was just too expensive just to start because that, that whole set. And we were still growing. We would have yeah. to buy a whole new armor. Yeah, I don't even think we had gear. Did we have gear? Like no, a no, the only, gear? no. The only thing we had were the bamboo swords, and we kept on getting, we kept on hitting the people with the armor. Yeah, and we didn't get, we didn't get hit. So yeah, it was good for us in that regard. We could play all offense and no defense. <laughs> Pretty Cause much, the, yeah. Because the armor itself was a weapon. Well, we well we got the swords. Right, you know, right. The bamboo swords were like twenty bucks. Right. But you. You have to get headgear, the chest, and the, the gloves, plus the actual uniform. Yeah. And that whole thing cost 400 bucks, and that was back in... Like the early 18, 90s? Yeah, like 80s, 90s. late 80s? Yeah. Yeah, 89, 90. And that was just so cost prohibitive. The class itself was cheap. The tuition was cheap. I don't yeah. remember what it was. It was like 20 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month, and we did it at some church gym. And that was in, like, it was like 20 minutes away from where we lived, right? It was like National City or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember your mom always driving us. Yeah, well, we did that for a little bit, but because of the whole armor thing, and they kept on pressuring my mom. That's the whole reason she's like, we can't do this anymore. I was going to, uh, if they were really cool about it, I would have saved up and bought you armor, but they kept on asking it every week, and my mom just got tired of it. So I started Chole Foot in 1990. And then they opened up a new school in Oceanside near Eddie. Eddie, Eddie by the time uh, 11th grade rolled around or 10th grade rolled around, he moved to Oceanside. 
so he moved 30 minutes away. And then in 1998, a new uh, I started Trolley Fight in 1990. They opened a new school in Oceanside around 95. So did you start in 95 or 96, Eddie? Did you start earlier than that? Earlier I than 98? I, I think it might you have must, been 96 or 98. One of the two. You know what? Uh, it has to be 96 because I was gone by the time 98 rolled around. Okay. And I was teaching you. Wait, so you've been so then Dan, if that's the case, you've been studying Trolla for even for even longer then, huh? Yeah, definitely longer than Eddie. Because yeah. I started off in La Mesa, which is geographically in San Diego. La Mesa is um, about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes east of San downtown San Diego. They opened up another school in Claremont uh, in about nineteen ninety-two or ninety-three. Then they opened up another school in Oceanside around ninety-four, ninety-five. And Oceanside is about 30, 35 minutes north of downtown. Okay. And this is, uh, do you mind, do you want to plug your school out or you want to mention it? <laughs> well, um, yeah. Dan, what would you say your home school is? Uh, I, at this point, I, I don't have a home school so, because I started off in Mesa. I, then I went to Claremont for a little bit. I taught there and then I went to Oceanside until I moved out of the out of the San Diego County. Yeah. But as far as the school is concerned, I mean, it's the biggest Choi Futt school in San Diego. It's White Dragon. And you could just Google it. You say Choi Futt San Diego. Right. And White Dragon pops up right away because they have like six schools in San Diego County now. Now for, uh, for like, what I'm always interested in when I talk to like martial artists is like, um, they they have different reasons for studying it. Uh, maybe their parents got into it because like maybe they were getting picked on. Like maybe say, hey, I want I don't want my son to get picked on. So like for me, I started with uh, Shokan Karate back. Uh, shoot, I'm trying to think. Uh, I want to say, yeah, I started in the mid '90s. Uh, that I was only like, uh, you know, middle ele elementary school age at the time, and then. Um, and my dad, yeah, he he was all about um, you know learning how to defend yourself. So for I'm just curious, Eddie, and for Dan as well, like what was some of the what was the impetus of why you got into martial arts? Well, I'll say for me, um, part of it was you know Dan was teaching and he spoke to me about it and it sounded interesting. Um, you know the funny part, part of it too is I think if you have any Asian in you, you're like <laughs> compelled to like, you have to study something, you know, like it's just, you just have to, it's just what you got to do. It's just how I thought. So, um, All right, so, so let's, for our listeners, since they, you know, you are part Asian, I'm assuming, or some I'm half Japanese. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, and what's the other half? <clears throat> it is not Japanese. It is, um, like European. European. Okay. Yeah. Half Japanese. Now, is is your well the Japanese side is is are you a Nisei Sansei or uh, Yonsei? Well, it, so there's yeah. a bit of controversy with the whole Nisei thing because okay. Nisei would be the second generation born. Sure. In America. Yeah. So then I would be the first generation then, if that's the he, case. Uh, usually Nisei, I I've, I've like read up on it a lot because a lot of my my I had a lot of. Japanese American friends growing up, and they, they would identify Nisei Sansei, whatever. Yeah. It, 
it, it's usually Nisei is like the second generation American, but the your the per parents who immigrated here are the first generation because they are the naturalized citizens. Right, they usually right. get they immigrate here, they become naturalized citizens, so they're the first generation of Americans. And then Nisei is usually the the first ones born here. Right. But they are the second generation to be Americans. Correct. Correct. I think That's... I always identified myself with Nisei. It just, but when I thought about the meaning of it, then I would think, okay, well, am I really Nisei? But I always considered myself Nisei, to be honest. But right. Yeah. I mean, that, your mom really makes sense. Your mom's American, isn't she? Doesn't she have she an American is. citizen? Yeah. She does. So. Yes. Okay, you're right. So yeah, I'd be Nisei. <laughs> It's not about right or wrong. It's just I think uh, I, I meant like Yonsei's, and I, I thought, oh, how how does that work out? Right. Yeah. Because I've I mean I've met you know Chinese Americans who are a couple of generations in, and it's just like, it's it's a different it's a different. I mean, there's you know I have I have a good friend that's like you know a couple generation generations in Toysan Chinese American, but like it's a different. Um, we talk about different. I mean, we still talk about like you know. You know what everyone else talks about movies arts stuff like that but i noticed the conversation's a little bit different because like when i had talked to my second generation friends we can talk about you know the immigrant experience to much more detail right whereas for my like you know couple generations friend you know um yeah i, I noticed the converse yeah th that conversation does not come up as much you know we, we talk about race sometimes but it's not as big of, I don't know, it doesn't seem as big of a focus for people who are a couple of gener generations in. But yeah, I'm second generation, so I don't know. Okay. That's some, that's something Dan and I have talked about before, like that feeling of like being immigrant children, I guess, you know? Because yeah. we're the first ones to experience the, the culture clash, but yeah. I mean, yeah. did you come across that at all or not really? Mm, I, f I think I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think I feel the same way. I but you know how I see it more I see it more in my kids that when I look at them I could see the difference in how we were raised with just and I can see maybe in two or three generations how how changed it's going to be and so part of me feels bad about that you know let's see you can really see the effect it's like <laughs> wow are they you know are they going to have are they even are they going to even know how to use chopsticks let's say in two generations like my grandkids well they're going like to have that. like holograms feed them so it's okay right yeah yeah funny. that'll be good <laughs> <laughs> so i make a point to like make them do certain like asian things right like you know you guys will all learn to use chopsticks you know you're going to you're going to all learn to eat fish i guess whatever it's just i have to implant implement some asian things you know like things to keep them asianized as much as possible now do you speak the language at all japanese i i do not I'm terrible i can understand like real basic um real basic though but nothing on the level of like dan dan who is fluent who helps me out but yeah, yeah i'm a i'm pretty bad i i spoke it only only japanese when i was a child and of course you go to school and you get teased, so you just don't use it at all, and uh, you just forget it. So it was your first language, or second? Or... Yes. Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah. That's yeah. I've 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 heard that before. One of my friends, she she spoke Taiwanese as her first language, which is even more ostracized than you know, because yeah, know, at least Japanese or or Chinese is more more mainstream. But she spoke a dialect or like a Taiwanese dialect, and yeah, she forgot it too because of I think similar reasons, just the environment. And just, yeah. 
Yeah, there wasn't a lot of other Japanese or Asian kids. Like I, I grew up in San Diego, but it was down south, like by the border. Right. So it was mostly Hispanics. Um, so you just, if I grew up in, let's say, in our home in Claremont, where there was just a bigger Asian community. Yeah, yeah. Or people like Dan, where I met Dan, like then maybe I would have kept it. But when you grow up in next to the border, uh, how's your you know, Spanish? No reason. <laughs> it's terrible. I I can speak. Uh, I um I used to work for a landscape construction company, so I can speak uh, landscape and ease. Like I can speak Spanish <laughs> enough to like you know like communicate um with 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 the guys, but that's about it. Yeah, I'm this. Yeah, I'm similar. I, I work I work for a unknown store of some sort, and a lot of our customers um speak Spanish, so I can like deal with them like transactionally or troubleshooting yeah. for their devices like in Spanish a little bit but you know yeah yeah um, like... yeah yeah so I was gonna yeah going back to the first question so yeah I mean were you picked on at school because of race or for other reasons or no actually I was and oh, no. part of me feels really guilty because when you think about being like racism you think of you know, like say African American community or now Muslims or or something real severe like that. Right. And you tend, I mean, yeah. I just think some people just tend not to feel sorry for Asians because, especially Japanese people, because Japan is doing pretty well as a country in general. So. Right. You know, but I did all the time. I remember getting teased like Pearl Harbor Day, and you know, or no, I'm sorry. Um, the day they dropped the atomic bomb. I keep thinking of December 7th because that's Pearl Harbor Day, right? Yeah, December that's 7th, Pearl Harbor. Yes. Yeah. But I got teased a lot about like the atomic bomb and, you know, Pearl Harbor Day was the one where they would just say, oh, you know, uh, you know, like you guys cheap shotting us and stuff like that. And Even though I'm like, I don't look really Japanese at all, you know, I, I just got teased for it. It was strange. So they would, that's weird. So they bring up those, those dates and just, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I remember on December 7th, I'd get, I'd, I'd get like, you know, just people would say stuff to me. Wow. So, yeah. This is in San Diego. Um, yeah, it was in San Diego. But I guess, cause Dan was telling me like, well, cause you guys have the military base there, right? So I guess it's more conservative or more, I don't know. Maybe nationalistic, possibly? I think so. And plus, you just have, when you have, like, a Navy base and a Marine, you know, Marine Corps base, you're going to have people that moved here from, you know, the mid the Midwest or, or the South, where they just don't deal with a lot of Asians in general. So they come here, and they're not Californians. You know, they're not used to seeing all this diversity. So mm. I, I think that's what it could be personally but because mm. i can't I'd, I'd never understood why I was, why that was the case i was like there's all kinds of diversity here how come people don't just accept it but yeah there's some people yeah they just i remember getting that huh. dan didn't you ever get you guys never nothing never experienced anything oh no of course i experienced something exactly yeah i mean even more than you do in, in lots of ways because i i look chinese i'm chinese right. so right but like Dan, is that why you got into martial arts, or like, well, you, you, I think you said is more like part of your identity. You said, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was like the coolest thing from China at the time. I mean, Chinese food is just Chinese food. No one really thinks, you know, oh, that's great. But back then, growing up when you grow up, and China's a, a communist country, which is almost like a third world country. Right. The, the coolest thing you could relate to was was Chinese Kung Fu because everyone was like, oh, you know, Chinese Kung Fu, they're, they're not going to mess with you. Whereas like, oh, yeah, you know, my, my family, we cook awesome Chinese food. No <laughs> I can make pork fried rice. Watch I out. Can, yeah. You better watch out. I might feed your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, this uh, sidetrack. Uh, I remember in high school, I we one that we had this home economics class and like we got paired like we had to take the class so like we would be paired up uh with like random people like outside of our group of friends and <clears throat> and um i i remember i was in a group of four like there's like two like two mexican american people and one black guy and i remember we you know we talk about random stuff during downtime and what well, the black guy i talked to him about fighting because like a little bit because he 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 was athletic and he said he got into fights before and he was like he's like a ball he's a brawler like he he he's kind of shorter but he's fit so like if he gets in a fight he's he's scrappy right um now i asked him do you fight asians and he's like you know what i'm kind of scared of asians i think they know kung fu like he straight up said that and uh i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and he asked, and I mean, and I told him like, yeah, I know, because at the time I only knew karate. I said, yeah, I know karate. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to mess with that. Yeah, because he, he thinks he, there's like this this idea that we knew some secret move that could kill someone or something like that. Like, yeah. 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 I think that's one of the more annoying things about uh, martial arts is everyone thinks, you know, because you know something you could like touch them and kill them like do a death touch or, or you don't, something you don't like know that. that you haven't learned that yet <laughs> i know right <laughs> do you know how to throw ninja stars it's like no i don't know how to throw ninja stars we don't well, practice throwing supposedly stars. grandmaster knows the death touch Did really you know yeah supposedly grandmaster does know the dim master. i don't know I don't know if it's a rumor or whatever, but he supposedly knows how to do the death touch. I mean, there so are pressure it... points, though, but, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are pressure points, but are we talking about he touches you here or presses you or pushes you or whatever, and and you die? Like, that's yeah. what we're talking about? Like, like a, a few days later? Yeah. It's are not you even kidding? Immediate. What? Wow. But, it, I mean, it, it could have been all hype. Who knows? Yeah. We, we don't know. Grandmaster is pretty good. Grandmaster, yeah. I always say, I always tell Eddie that Grandmaster is probably like a once in a generation type of person. Um, you know, you get your Michael Jordans of like basketball, and then Grandmaster is like the Michael Jordan of Chole uh, Five. Yeah. I won't say he's like the Michael Jordan of like all martial arts. I don't think there is a Michael Jordan of all martial arts because I've even heard of like stories of, of Bruce Lee getting defeated uh, in street fights. Sure, he's he. So, that's how he got. He's better. had to yeah. have. Yeah. 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 I lost. I, mean, I I did a kickboxing match. Yeah, I, I, that's my first one. I lost that. So yeah, I mean, everyone loses sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if there was going to be a Michael Jordan of martial arts, it would have been Bruce Lee. And I, my my acupuncturist in in Chinatown or in L.A. He his his cousin was like this crazy martial artist guy, and supposedly my acupuncturist witnessed them them getting into a fight. In Chinatown yeah. back in like the 1960s, 
and and Mike and Bruce Lee at that time bowed out. But as far as Grandmaster is concerned, he's supposed to be really good. And I've I've done some exercises with him. It's just really a a different experience when you work with someone like that. Right. Yeah. And that's not like hyperbole. It's because you could see it as soon as you do the same exercise with somebody else that's not Grandmaster, even his son, who was my Sifu, he's great. You know, he's he's like natural because he's been doing martial arts since he was four or five. Yeah. It does not still does not feel the same way. It's like going from like super silk and then to from a grandmaster is like super silky. Then you go to Sifu who's like really smooth but not quite silk, you know. A little bit more him. rough maybe or well it would be more like uh, I would say from silk to cotton or linen, you know, where it's yeah. like it feels good, but it's like completely smooth. And then you go to like anybody else, it'd be 100 grit sandpaper. Right. Are you talking about like push hands or two two person drills or two person drills? We yeah. were doing a two person drill for Chole Fut where it, it was choreographed. And I think he's the only one, Grandmaster is the only one that I know of who hasn't memorized down pat. He has like a bunch of different choreographed moves it's almost like a form it's a two-person thing you exchange like different movements on uh, different strikes and blocks but at some point it, it seamlessly switches where what you were doing before what you were defending against before you're now um the, the attacker ah. it just goes back seamlessly you don't have to move you're just standing in place and then when you do it you if you mess up the sequence grandmaster will will play along with you and then just like find an opening and hit you yeah 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 so, uh, sorry, yeah. Eddie, did you, an wait, sorry, did you answer the question? Like what, wait, you wanted to learn why martial arts? Yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I think we missed it, but yeah. Was it because you uh, wanted well, Asian things or yeah? Well, no, it was, um, I, I've always been interested in martial arts. Um, and I actually, when I went to go visit Dan at White Dragon, when he was just like, come down and just take the, you know, like, introductory course. And you guys are like ninth and grade at the time or like, uh. 10th grade at the time no no no, we're no. Like in, in 20 20 or 21 oh, okay so you, yeah. you establish a friendship in high school then years later got it okay right and once i got to the school and i met the people and saw how they run things that was it that was like okay i need to train here um and then i haven't looked back since how, they, do, how do they run things that are different from other schools how i felt was um it felt more genuine. It felt more traditional than, than some other places. And it felt really, um, they took, they, they really, they can, they really have a format to teach you, to, to teach you well. You just don't show up for like a one hour class every single day. You know, they have, you know, you have these private lessons you get. So everything you practice in the group classes, you have to master for your, your instructor you know, on a one-on-one -on -one type situation. And you learn so much more that way. Right. A lot of these places, schools that just offer like the group lessons, it's just, it's only so far you can go, I think, um, with that. And then once you start, you know, interacting, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you just, the it just, your training just accelerates. And that uh, was, it showed and it was pretty, that was pretty much it. And, and then this, the knowledge that the teachers had, you know, you just, I really believed that, they had been training for as long as I have. They teach really well. In order to become a teacher there, you have to go through this really intense training program, and it emphasizes just on your physical abilities, but it I think it emphasizes more on your communication and how to actually teach someone. 
Oh, that's cool. And it showed. Yeah, no, it, it definitely showed. So I could tell with the instructors, definitely like, oh, wow, these guys just totally know what they're talking about. They're just not guys that opened up some gym and, you know. And I actually visited a lot of different schools, all the way, like ranging from Muay Thai to like like American boxing and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But once I got to White Dragon, it was just game over. So you, you started in... Because you guys were in Kendo, but that, that was way too expensive, that armor. So so you started in and Kendo, the, and you did some more sur- sur- uh, martial arts searching after that, huh? Yes, but I also took Kendo when I was, like, younger. And I was maybe, like, 10 or 11 when I was a kid. I actually still have my my set, my armor set. From nice. When I was just, yeah. And, uh, you know, because you get to fight with swords. It's like... It's like every thing, boy's right? dream, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. And you get to wear this, like, sick armor that people can – it's like you're, the helmet, the face shield is metal, so you can just whack someone really hard, and it's just, like, nothing, you know? So Right. You try to do that in, yeah. like, Ido or something, you're, someone's going to get really hurt or something. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So anyway, so, yeah, and then I, I looked around, and after I went to White Dragon, it was it. That's cool. I, I mean, I know for me, like – Martial searching for a martial art. I don't know if because I'm not really Dan and I are not really religious people. I know, but for me personally, I, looking for like a martial art was kind of like looking for a religion of some sort. You know, like uh, which what 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 fits me. But so that's cool. You found it in Chola Foot, sort of, huh? Yeah, and th- I think that's a perfect example. You know, like searching for a religion or a church or someplace you're gonna right. go because you're gonna worship, spend hours you know? and hours there. So might as you know, you know it's you're you got you yeah find a good school right yeah yeah and then plus you have to like you have to believe in it you know yes. you have to like believe yeah. in what they're teaching you and then when other people talk to you about martial arts just like with a religion if you don't believe it then it, they're just going to come off like oh that place doesn't sound that great because they <laughs> don't really care but um yeah so that's that's kind of it's kind of how it was. And it's also some place where you could just—you're not ashamed. Like, oh, well, why don't you just come to the come to the school and check it out? And then, I've I've had a couple people sign up, basically just showing up, just like I did. And they're like, "You were right. Like this place, they actually like take time to speak with you, and mm. they're not just ask. You know, you're not just paying for your 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 belt test. You know, like they actually will like fail you on your tests. Like, oh, no, really? you don't get your next level. Be- yeah, like. No, granted, it's not easy to do that in the beginning, but towards as you get as you advance, like they'll be like, "Nope, we'll see you in a couple more weeks. Let's do this again." Oh wow! Okay. You know, yeah. it's pretty good. So yeah. Did you fail a test? Or have no. You been pulled back? I think I I got no. pulled back once. <gasps> yeah, yeah, I was. Which, I was which like, test? I think it was my purple sash. I wasn't. I was sick at the time. I was like coughing mm. up a lung, and then. Uh, Ty Sifu goes, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Right. Oh. So. I, I almost failed my, my black sash. I almost failed it because I was doing like chin nan choi, like the inverted leopard fist. Yeah. And my pinky, sorry if no one else knows what that is, but it's, it's basically like a regular fist, but you just flatten out your hand and it's called a leopard's fist. And my pinky finger out because you have to be really relaxed when you throw these strikes but you have to have enough strength to hold the position you know the hand position you have to hold the knuckles together and and i was too relaxed and my pinky was kind of like flicking out. not totally yeah flicking out not totally connected and 
even Ticey going after it was like, you know, like I almost had you come back just because of that pinky. But wow, okay. he liked everything. Yeah, he liked everything else, so he was okay. But like that, and so I never forgot that. I never forgot that. Like I always tell all my students and everything. Because like, <laughs> you can break <laughs> a pinky, pinky, man. Yeah, yeah, you can break that pinky if you hit something, right? Yeah. Totally. And yeah. then your hand is almost useless. Like I don't. People don't realize that. Like it hurts. You break so you, bones in your hands. You teach now? I do. I teach. I teach Tai Chi right now. Oh, nice. Mostly uh, Yang um, style or Chen style or Yang. Um, Yang. Yeah, at, at White Dragon we teach Yang style. Yang style. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I guess you. I'm. I'm sure you have your own interpretation of it, or you mix. I do. Yeah. Right. right. I do. My. I, I. I mean. Yeah. I. I teach a certain way and. Yeah, like, from, I mean, it's just how I feel. I've done it long enough. I'm not trying to change the system, but I just kind of have my own, my own little. Is it mostly kink. the, is it mostly the combat part that you have your own interpretations, or is it actual form? I think it's uh, yeah, you're right. I think it's more of the um, application-wise, or um, like conceptually, like why you're doing this move, where. So if I'm showing someone, let's say, like brush knee, and I explain the movements to them, I'll try to always put it like in an attack type situation. Like, okay, so here with your right hand, you're going to block this strike that's coming to your face. You're going to circle the hand down past your knee and past your body. And I'll make it very, almost like martial arty, like very kung fu you know well, application like you based at, yeah, yeah yeah yes very application based that's exactly well, it well i mean i don't think that's that's bad i mean that's, no, that's or not, not bad at all man <laughs> it's actually yeah it's not wrong because a lot of people think of tai chi they think of old people at the park yeah but tai chi if you get good at it you can really fight with it and if you don't emphasize the actual applications yeah the it's kind of lost you don't have like the intent or the purpose when you're doing the movement. So just for yeah, our listeners, yeah, a yang style is the, the slower form of tai chi. That like most it's probably like the most popular form of tai chi, I guess, yeah. for like the the old people doing. Just just for our listeners who don't. And chen style, I know, has some slow movement and some fast movement. There's also wu style. There's ton. There's like yeah. There's wu style. There's um. There's some other ones. Sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sun. Sun style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yang Chen and Wu are the three most popular. Chen is the original. Um, it's really fast, but they, they have they start from a different point. So Chen style starts really quick. I, I studied a little bit of Chen from somebody at the park. They go really fast, but as you get better at it, they start showing you slower forms to develop your chi. Whereas Yang style, you start off really slow to develop your chi, but once you get really good at it, your teacher will start teaching you really fast forms. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So sorry, Eddie. I interrupted you. Or what, were you gonna no. continue on something? Or um, no, I don't think so. I interrupted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who interrupted because Eddie was talking about his own interpretation. Interpretation. Oh, interpretation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. like your teaching style. I mean, dude, pedagogy. Like you can transfer that skill. I I started teaching karate in in high school, and I shoot, I didn't had no idea what I was doing. But you know, trial and error. Like my senseis would tell me, hey. You know, this is how you're supposed to like help them learn. And uh, I teach I teach part time at a university now as a grad student, and it totally transfers that that those skills. Like when you were talking about, you know, how a school is ran, it like 
if there there's a skill in teaching and i think uh that's great you're using application because i don't know I, to, to be honest tai chi like i i i've had tai chi teachers were like oh just do it do the form many many times you know yeah but like what about all the details where's the weight distribution you know like some people need to hear some of those details or applications too yeah yeah well i, I do get students that tell me that they really appreciate that part because some teachers, you know, they may not teach, emphasize that as much. Um, but I've also had some students just just want the Tai Chi in the park type Tai Chi. You know, yeah, they yeah. want the, you know, I've I've been told, you know, they're like, well, it's a little, I'm not going to say aggressive, but they just, you know, some of the, the concepts would scare people away. Too. <laughs> some people just want, you know, this is the, a knee the tai break. Chi in the park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty this, much. This is an arm break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rip his eyes out. Yeah. Exactly. Now breathe. Yeah. Now breathe <laughs> and like relax. Does... Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, no, I, I'm pretty, no, I'm pretty sure like Tai Chi is, yo, hello, Dan, are you still there? Yeah, sorry, my cat just jumped on the table. Beautiful. Hey, that's a, that was a cat sound for all of you listeners. Yeah, um, cat style. Um, the for not Tai Chi is kind of vicious. Like from from what I understand, there's some movements in there that are pretty vicious as far as like eye gouging or groin shots, of course. Um, versus maybe I don't know what Aikido, which is more like protecting the attacker as well. I mean, I think tai, I think Aikido has. Aikido, I know, has some roots from Bagua, which is another internal martial art, and, and, and Tai Chi. But I think Tai Chi and Bagua still maintain a lot of those debilitating attacks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Chinese martial arts, um, that tends to be, you know, uh, there's just it seems like a lot of the applications lead to, you know, some type of crippling, paralyzing, blinding almost right away like rarely is it like you know punch them in the jaw and hope they get knocked out it's sure like, no yeah. it's like you know rip their throat out and then poke their eyes in and then you know the fight's over you like you can't it's difficult to have like martial artists in ufc like mixed martial artists in general but to have like the striking type martial arts in ufc because you you can't you can't do any things that that make like kung fu so powerful. You can't, you, you know, the, the rules are against you. The rules are designed for grappling and wrestling and leverage, right. not to, you know, not for strikers. Now, outside of so in Choi La Foot, you started your journey with Choi La Foot, and then from there, have you stuck? So it sounds like you branched out to Tai Chi. Have you tried jujitsu or Brazilian jujitsu or or Muay Thai or boxing or anything out outside of? Of not outside um we i have tried grappling and um i i just didn't like it <laughs> to be honest okay what, to me what it was was it was a lot of work to, oh yeah to, tons of to work. fight someone and kung fu and tai chi are the exact opposite principles it's like you try to end this as quickly as possible you don't i don't want to fight with someone for two minutes on the ground while i'm trying to get them in a in a Kimura or something. I, I, that just doesn't interest me. I'd much rather be on my feet um, and then be on the ground than both of us rolling around on the ground. Mm. Just... Now, if you... Uh, t- yeah, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so, 
I mean, a lot of fights, to be honest, a lot of fights do end on the ground or you're supposed to take the other person down or the other person takes you down. It happens, yeah. slipping and falling. I mean, I'm assuming Trailer Foot does have some precautions against that or is there a strikes yes. from the ground, stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you don't have to necessarily be taught specifically, oh, this is how you punch when you're on your left side or, you know, punching is punching. Once you learn the concepts of it, you know, you can be just as effective if you're on the ground, if you just know where to hit, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're laying sideways, if I, if I poke you directly into the eyes, it's going to cause, you know, all kinds of damage to you. and It'll help me out a lot. It might help me out more than if I like really like punch you directly in the face. Mm. Um, because I've been hit in the face before and I didn't feel it until the next day. <laughs> you know, so if I'm fighting someone and he's bigger than me and I punch him in the face and I piss him off, yeah, you know, oh yeah, tomorrow his his nose will be broken or whatever. But now I got this crazy person I have to deal with. I'd much rather not deal with that at all. <laughs> I just want to end it, you know, in in a way where I don't have to. I don't know. This is how I feel. I always think worst case scenario. Worst I case scenario. Yeah. Worst yeah. case. Yeah. So fights, uh, have you been in like street fights or have you been in um, pretty heated like sparring matches or what, I guess, what's your experience there? Or you've avoided fights, you know, using the martial arts principle of peace and love. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've pretty much been able to avoid most fights. I have gotten into like face-offs with people in public. Oh no, where, okay. Um, but then I think... I, it was, you know, I, the martial art part would come in, you know, the the, the whole, um, okay, let's just, let's just not, you know, do this. It's not life or death. Right. Or I would think in my head, you know, I don't want to hurt this guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. I'm doing this for this guy over here. I'm doing this for you, buddy. Um, but that's happened a couple times. Um, that's good. Yeah, because Dan and I have talked about that. Like, that confidence you gain from doing martial arts, it's like, it's not worth it because... If things go down, someone's gonna get seriously hurt, you know, like to the point that's not it's not worth it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would never want to accidentally like <sighs> crush someone's throat. Right. You know, over a stupid some stupid argument. Sure, that didn't sure. Yeah. Or me get my throat crushed. Yeah, yeah. Now I think Dan, did you wanna weigh in on that? The mar the mixed martial arts versus the traditional well, Chola Foot or uh, well, you know, a lot of people could talk about mixed martial arts. I think I was thinking about it recently, and it's more about the background. You, you start off in wrestling, or you start off in grappling, or you start off in striking, but eventually you kind of move towards a common way or a very regulated way of responding to certain strikes. I mean, every whenever you watch MMA these days or UFC, they always do roundhouse kicks. I very rarely see them do any other type of kicks. Every now and then, like a thrusting kick. Yeah, our the Machida right? and Anderson Silva, they they can do the front kick pretty well. But you know, Machida's a Shotokan guy, so like, yeah, that's why. But yeah, that's the they do the front snap or the front thrust. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, everyone kind of does the same kick. Yeah, they it's a roundhouse, of... or once in a while you see like a a, a a wheel kick. You know, like a wheel, like a Taekwondo wheel kick. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, it's a roundhouse kick. They will do the front thrusting kick, but it, you always respond in a certain way. I, I talked to, I've, I've had some friends who are grapplers or who do mixed martial arts of some sort, and they always, 
they always tell me this is how they they kind of defend against a roundhouse kick and it's always the same it becomes really universal so the background starts off different but then you kind of migrate towards um, a more common way of doing things so you say do you feel like well, do you feel like with the mixed martial arts when they throw kicks? I mean, there's a few exceptions because you can you can go on YouTube and see all kinds of awesome knockouts with a kick. But I always thought they used kicks as a way of opening up to to basically close in and and take the person down. That, that I mean, that, I don't know. What do you think? I, I've seen them like constantly a kick at, at the opponent's front leg. You know, trying to either kick their leg out from under them or just basically wear their legs down so they can shoot and go in yeah. and, and finish the job. Kind of like a jab is in boxing. I, yeah, I think that's that's the whole point, isn't it? Um, yeah. James probably knows better because he produced a, a film on, on MMA. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, yeah. yeah I, so. I mean, it really... It, okay, so... Uh, mixed martial arts like history has uh, has it has its 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 waves. It started off with um, the the reign of the Gracies, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu just ruled MMA. In the, yeah. the birth of MMA was what nineteen ninety one ninety the ni- early nineties with the first UFC, where it's kind of like it was like really raw. It was like Street Fighter. It was, it like, was like Street, street Fighter. Fighter. It was too. ridiculous. Like yeah, and every it was it was kind of like style versus style essentially yeah. and a boxer had no idea what to do on the ground stuff like that yeah so so gracie's ruled for a while then you know you've got your um mark coleman or you got these olympic wrestlers coming in who are able to defend against the you know brazilian jiu-jitsu takedowns and keep it on the keep it um standing in a way because they can sh- they can they can you know sprawl and all that and have a really good base and then they would ground and pound the guy right now, now what's happening is like people are getting more round, rounded. Um, so you have like you know GSP is a great example. You know he's Olympic level wrestling has Kyokushin. Uh, he's a Kyokushin black belt, so his 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 striking is very on point. And so now you're getting this mix. So how how do you, it depends on how they want to end the fight. So there are still people who are you know more they lean more towards striking. If they lean more towards striking, then what happens is they train and takedown defense so a good example of that is chuck liddell great striker maybe not the best really zillion jiu-jitsu guy at all so he's really but he's a wrestler so he he can defend against takedowns keeping stand keep the game standing up whereas you know you get damian maya who's like you know or you get these uh guys who are or um or jake shields who are really good grapplers they don't mind you know taking to the ground you know so jake shields like he's he's worked on his stand-up a lot and he will do exactly that. He'll he'll try to pepper the guy, or or he'll take some shots. But he'll try to find some way to like either wear the guy down with some shots here and there, and then move in for that grappling. Um, if you want to say an average, on average, um, it seems that uh, I don't know. It's a mix. It's it's more and more mixed now. There's T like so the Ronda Rousey fight that was a TKO, and Ronda Rousey is a is an Olympic level geo player, right? But she tried to play the stand-up game with Nunez, right? Who's like, uh, I don't know her background, but she was just, you know, much stronger stand-up, stand-up fire from what I saw. So it really depends is basically my main point. Uh, uh, there is a trend. So I think, Dan, what you're talking about is like a, tr- like, 
there is a certain MMA movement. I think I there I think there is something to that though. Like there's a certain movement that a lot of MMA fighters are gravitating towards, you know? Like this kind of certain uh call and response sort of. And I think that's yeah, mainly it, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Dan. What are you gonna say? It's a philosophy of, of how to approach a fight. So it's almost like two sides of a coin as far as MMA. It looks like um, people who gravitate more towards grappling or the people who are going to strike more, but they, they're they versed in both sides. So if you're going to, if someone shoots at you this way, you're going to respond in a certain way. I think the way they respond the, is, is almost going to become universal in a way. Uh, the, the tactics, I guess. Right, right. The tactics are becoming more, there's like a MMA way of fighting so it's not uh, really mixed yeah. martial arts it's yeah. mixed martial arts is a type of style now in a yeah. way because yeah. when someone d throws a round kick a roundhouse kick you're gonna block with your with the side of your your um, forearm and your knee coming up to protect yeah. your face or something like that's that. muay thai but yeah 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 but yeah, they're responding also, in that way though they're, they I adopted also, muay thai and all that go ahead Eddie. But I think it's also, like you said, with the uh, style of mixed, mixed martial arts, it's its own style. Because they also train to use the cage as part of their 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 attack. You know, right. like, you don't really don't... You have to learn how to, how to, to use someone... How to, I'm sorry, how to fight someone when their back is against the cage or when yours is or when they're on the ground in the corner. Like, it seems like they would practice that, right? Because right? right. you're in an octagon. So... It's, I kind of agree with Dan. It's like its own style. It's and, like how to fight in the, not that they couldn't fight out in the street. Of course they could, but of course, yeah, you yeah. know, they're, they're going to practice, they're going to practice these things like, okay, you know, when they're, your back's against the cage or how to use it and whatnot. I'm sure, right? I mean, I, I'm just speculating, but I have to assume. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. They, they, they practice stuff like that. And, like, oh, what happens when you're, you can, you can, there's like the wall crawl. Like if your back is, against the cage you can kind of use that as leverage and then get your feet underneath you and stand up stuff like that right and right. you know what uh, to be honest and i'll play dope you know the, the advocate for mma is be like these are useful skills like you know if you have if you're in a corner of some sort you know maybe this would be if it's so brazilian jiu-jitsu is a great i think for one-on-one -on -one fights you know like if it's just you and that yeah. guy now if it's yeah. a group of guys and they are stomping on you then you don't want to be on the ground at all for splits for like you don't want to take the the fight to the ground at all. But uh, you know, I think uh, I, I I talked to this about my my with my friend this this whole war between traditional martial arts and MMA. Like you know, people. De I think there's some. I think definitely there's things to learn from both sides. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Go ahead, Dan. Uh, it's I I I don't think there should be a war. It, I mean. I think what the traditional martial artists are probably more upset about is that they can't monetize their years of, of training, whereas like MMA people can. Yeah. But in the end, martial arts is martial arts. It's all about fighting and how to like how to defend yourself and and just beat the crap out of the person in front of you. Right. It doesn't right. matter if you're, you're traditional or, or you come from MMA. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And it depends, obviously, the fighter, whether you want to be... Well, yeah, whether whether that is that is like you're okay with that. That is how you like to train. You know, it's like you don't think of it as a say two a two minute match. Yeah, it's a match, but 
you have to you have to defeat him all these different ways in those two minutes. You're getting points, you're getting favor from the judges, and that's a way of training too. I mean, I think I don't think there should be a real war. You're right. I don't against that. It just should be like the individual preference. Some people like more traditional things, and other people they just want to see two guys fighting, like highly skilled fighters right. fight. Well, I think it goes back to your, your first point. It's choosing your religion. When you choose yeah. a martial arts, you're choosing your religion. You want to know, or you want to fight in a certain way. I, I thought, I think that's the key point. Yeah. For me, if you look at all the different types of Kung Fu, there's like over a hundred different styles. There's like four or five different styles of karate. There are different styles of, of Korean martial arts. It's how you want to fight right, when you yeah. fight. Yeah. And it, it's not about one style and being the best or, or the supreme style. It's always about the effort that you put into whatever you're learning and ensuring that you have the right teacher who teaches you everything that they can possibly do or possibly can. And then at the, in the end of the day, it's about your own personal work ethic. Right. You can make anything work. I've seen, I didn't think um, capoeira would be very applicable in, in an MMA fight, but I see someone doing one of those spinning kicks and knocking the crap out of someone with right, a heel right. hook. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, well, it, yeah, sorry, I, I just going to say, like, you know, maybe maybe I'm exaggerating. I mean, there what it's not really a war. It's more like, like just, you know, shade, shit talking, right? Like, oh, traditional martial arts will never. So, like, the arguments for the main arguments I've seen on Facebook or whatever from both sides is like, oh, make, you know, traditional martial arts will never, has never really worked in, in, in MMA, which I think is false because you have Kyokushin, which is based out of a traditional. The Kyokushin guy was trained by Shilokan, you know, karate master. And there's Kyokushin guys in there. There's, um, you know, Jiu Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is from Judo, which is based off of, you know, you know, a traditional martial art. And uh, it's, and Muay Thai is hundreds of years old. So, like, Muay Thai is no, it's not a youngin, right? So, I don't know. I, and then, I guess the 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 argument for the other side is that oh my my technique um, traditional martial arts would say oh my techniques are too deadly for the the octagon which in like Eddie to your point I mean this is true you don't you can't poke a guy's eye you can't rip someone's guy th- uh, throw it out but I I do think and I, I think mar- traditional martial artists do have to step up in the sense that if they are that skilled there must be a way to adapt it so that it could be effective in the, in the ring maybe but anyway any anyway, Eddie Eddie what are you gonna say yeah. um. I totally lost my. I I lost it. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't important. No, no, well, that's fine. Your your point actually is pretty good. But the thing is, like, I mean, Bruce Lee did it. Bruce Lee was able to use his Wing Chun skills in in sparring match. And I think this is the point where a lot of people. There are certain styles out there, and I've met some of those stylists where I have like a huge disagreement. They don't believe in sparring because they go, "Well, our." They they just won't do it because they can't utilize um, finger pokes and gouges and stuff like that. At least with Choi Fut, I mean, we have all those techniques. Like a lot of kung fu styles have a lot of those breaking, you know, things that we're we're handicapping or messing somewhat up permanently. But we still emphasize sparring because sparring you still require you have to have that interaction because if you don't have that. At, at any point, you won't know what it feels like to hit someone or how to defend against a really fast punch or uh, 
in real time speed, punches and kicks. Right. Yeah, you have to spar in yeah. some ways. And even the high level, and this is even the high level MMA guys. So I've seen like, I've seen like guys coming up. Yeah, they'll 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 go all out with the sparring, whatever, and then they're gonna tire out and they're gonna get injured even before the fight. Whereas you see high level MMA guys, like it's kind of like it's like approaching Tai Chi level. Like they'll they'll do light sparring and then they'll they'll step up the pace, right? But they're not looking to like knock each other out in the ring before a fight, right? It's more like they are learning all these timing, distancing skills, and sparring, right? But they have to do it in a way that doesn't it doesn't um, hurt them before the fight. Do you know what I'm saying? So like yeah 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 yeah. So I think you're right. I think there there there's a time and place for like going 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 at it and and but also going at it smartly, right? Yeah. 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 But I, I just I think. Well, sorry, Eddie. No, um, go ahead. The the idea is not. He doesn't have to be sparring like full on sparring with gear and stuff like that. I think that it just has to. There's some has to be some sort of improvisation between two people using your stuff, using your your techniques. It can't just always be chore, completely choreographed. The choreography part is needed uh, in some ways to just get your mind used to like the distance and what can be used in in certain situations. As far as if I'm like one foot away, I can use my elbow, but. I think you have to have some sort of interaction with somebody to develop like certain certain feels. With Tai Chi, you, they don't spar, but they do push hands. Right. If you you have to do something. You have to, no. I totally agree. I mean, sorry, Eddie. Were you, did you have a point about that? Well, I I had a question because uh, someone asked me, and you guys have heard this question too. It's the it's the question: Bruce Lee versus Muhammad Ali. Okay, so have you guys ever heard anyone debate this? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if, there, I, if there could ever be a fight between the two, who right? Would yeah, I saw, I, I saw, I saw like an article, and Bruce Lee was very humble and had said, "Oh no, Muhammad Ali would kill me," right? Um, but to be honest, no, because Bruce Lee has more tools. He's got way more tools than Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I, but I, so part of me thinks it would depend on when and like where. If they were in a in a ring, I would think Muhammad Ali has the advantage. What, what are because, the rules, though? Are, what, what's the rules? Is it a boxing match? Well, that would exactly. Yeah. So that would that would be another thing too. So where so how you set the rules are gonna either take away weapons from Bruce Lee or or take away some from Muhammad Ali. Like you know, you it, it's to me it, it it will never be perfectly balanced because there's two such different styles. What are you gonna do? You gonna let Bruce Lee? full-on like straight kicks to the knee because that's probably what he's gonna have to do to try and stop Muhammad Ali from coming in yeah he's gonna poke him in the eye I mean or just use his natural speed but what 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 do you do about against a guy that can that can take punches from 260 pound you know heavyweights you know like George Foreman punches like he can take those things like what do you do against that how do you how do you survive against that you kick him (laughs) you kick him right yeah yeah yeah, but, but like, I, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting question though, because then I think it helps I, for those young kids. You know, it helps them. I remember like uh, I read this. I was listening to this TED talk. Like, who would win a fight? Like this, these are anime characters, Naruto or this other character from anime. And I think it helps these kids. You know, like how to pick. How do you pick your favorite politician? You know, like yeah, there's certain yeah. parameters, stuff like that. 
So I, it's a, it's a fun hypothetical, but then you're right. We have to get scientific about it. Like, at what what age Muhammad Ali at the peak, Bruce Lee at his yeah. peak? Okay, yeah. what is it? Good time, you know. What are the rules? But yeah, it's it's a fun question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what yeah. was your an- what's your answer? I guess if to, to me, I would I would think of um, Bruce Lee has more weapons, so the rules would cater towards Muhammad Ali. That's at least how I if, would. If if they fought in like a fight, so, yeah, 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 yeah. And I would think that um, in real life, Muhammad yeah. Ali would would probably be able to take advantage of the the space. You know, like he knows how to work around a ring. Maybe Bruce Lee needs some more. I I, I don't know. It would just be I've, I've kicked people that didn't fly back like I wanted them to, <laughs> you know. Like I have, like I'm sure we you we've all done martial arts. You've all kicked people, and maybe it was just like, whoa, he didn't move. Like, uh oh, yeah. Or you know, I'm gonna do something else. But um, I just think it would be difficult, especially against a boxer who actually just they just they're trained to take punches. That's right. what they do. Like obviously they're learning like you know slipping punches, slipping and, stuff, but, and shielding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they take punches. Like you watch a fight and you're like, yeah, they slip some, but they get the hell beat out of them. Well, that's part and of the training. they are still yeah. on their feet. Yeah. Dan, did you want to add to that or? Uh, I've actually, I've I've taken one of the the great things about going to Grandmaster School in San Francisco was that there was a professional fighter who came from Italy and he was really good. He went through some drills. Uh, if you hear a crying in the background, it's one of my kids. Hi, uh, he hi through... one of your kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, went, he went through some drills with us. It was just like, just uh, jabbing drills. And he can punch so relaxed and so quick that even with these heavyweight gloves that we had, like, you know, super, it was 20 ounce or whatever it was, it was really padded. Every time he punched me in the face, and I knew he was taking it easy on me, I saw stars every single time. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing about um, professional fighters and, and um, boxers, they can take punches, Yeah. but they also deliver really fast and quick and hard-hitting punches. Yeah. So. And that's something, you know, like, I do, I have to, I have to, I have some beef with, like, you know, like, some Tai Chi schools or, like, some tra- practicing, like, if you don't have that base level strength and speed, uh, you're gonna get your ass beat, right? I mean, like, I think Tai Chi has a lot to offer for people, because uh, you know, I, but I think it is lacking in the sense that there's there's a certain traditional style of teaching I think that is lacking. It's like, oh, do this a thousand times, you'll get it, you know, and it's like, I think the learning curve. One of my friends was telling me, he's like, okay. Uh, have you guys ever heard this like okay boxing kickboxing so boxing pretty fairly simple you learn the four main punches and then the footwork but it takes years to perfect of course but you can get the basics down maybe of six months of intense training probably right kickboxing you probably need a whole year of intense training to get like the main you know the the main movements down all that uh, of continue you know steady training but like tai chi and maybe the internal martial arts xing yi or bagua those seem like they're a little bit more complicated and there's a lot more moves to learn. So those might take longer, but it just seems that those there's a lot of schools who, I guess my, my beef would be is like, okay, you learn these moves, but a lot of those guys who are learning the, you know these traditional martial arts, if they don't have that base level um, fitness or how to take punches and stuff, 
they're going to get their ass beat. And I think that's why a lot of traditional martial artists get a lot of, you know, bagged on, right? Because I think athletic-wise, um, in a real fight, you know, some of them, they're going to get taken down or whatever. I mean, what do you guys have to add to that? or? Well, my thing is, I, I, the one thing I like about Tai Chi is um, you can, like if you're playing push hands, which is Tai Chi's form of sparring, I mean, technically, you could play it with your eyes closed because you're you're in contact with the other person. That is your goal to stay like in some way in contact with them, and just by your sense of touch with your arm or hand on them, you can see how you could feel how they shift. And when I teach, I always I, I, it's in fun, but I say it's like the force. Like lower the blast shield, and when you're when you're sparring this person, you're gonna have to use your sense of touch. Your arms are like antenna on a cockroach, and when they shift and they move you're going to move and adjust your hands or where you push or put pressure or pull or anything like that. Right. So granted, like, yes, the the speed isn't there, but because you're already in contact with them, you don't, you might not need to have, let's say the lightning quick speed of, of, of like a professional boxer. And granted, like we're taking, I'm I'm talking about Tai Chi students and we're talking about professional boxers. So yes, of course the professional boxer is going to have like, you know, awesome speed, but in, in general, it's just you're already in contact with them. You're close to them. Um, you can maybe smother their punches. And I, I've tried to hit someone that was really close to me. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but I didn't get a clean shot. They're able to tuck their chin a little bit more, maybe deflect. And I'm so close, I don't get a really good wind-up to, yeah. to, you know, to you know, cause lots of damage. Um, and then maybe someone that's doing Tai Chi at that point can have their arms wrapped around you and then step behind you and and dump you somehow. Like, right. but you're right. I mean, it's the speed is also you need you need to have it. You just can't go in the park and practice tai chi and and think you're going to be able to compete against you know professional boxer or whatever real yeah. strikers like real you know strikers like or anything like that. But um, the one advantage it has is the contact you have. You, right. it's just a little different. Um, I mean, that's how I see it. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? I think a lot of people, those are all valid points. And I think it's because a lot of people do not do the full regimen of of conditioning. In Tai Chi, they have a toe kick. You have to condition your toe to withstand hitting something or kicking something. Yeah. And so you might do all these forms for years and years, but if you don't do everything that you need to get your body prepared for a fight, and it's kind of pointless. Mm. I mean, in the sense of like the actual striking part, you can always apply the push hands to a fight and still be okay in up to a certain point. Um, you know, if you are really good at push hands, you are going to be able to control the other person's movements really well. But um, the the one drawback with push hands is that uh, you never prepare for a a full-on strike of any sort yeah. any push punches. yeah the the fajing is yeah. different like the fajing yeah. in in push hands is like because in baji like it's like you know bam you know like you close it you know so you hit you know hit the guy but you can't that's not that's not fun in push hands because then the other guy's hurt and you can't continue right like there's a yeah. certain there's a certain etiquette in push hands like you said so okay mma is a certain style of fighting push hands is a certain style of sensitivity training i think yeah that it's 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 it relates to fighting but it you know obviously it's it's not 
it's to I don't want it to be fighting. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a training it's a training way to train sensitivity and that. But but ha- it relates to fighting. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, and plus, like you're in Tai Chi, you're already starting close. You don't, you know, like you don't. You're different. If there's space, and you have someone come in lightning lightning quick on you like that, like yeah, it, it's it would be it would be hard for the the push hands practitioner because we don't really train to close distance. You're already in contact, so you're already so close. What do you do when you're three steps away? Right, right. Four steps away. You know, like the game changes. All of a sudden, you don't have the force anymore. You don't have <laughs> contact. So, you know, you got to like somehow, hopefully you get lucky enough. Well, you know, I saw it, you know, Conor McGregor, right? He's like the, he's that Irish fighter. Yeah. And uh, he was doing something very similar to push hands like in his training regimen i was like i was watching like oh that's interesting he had the other guy push him like in different spots of the body and connor would just sort of you know relax that area and like kind of you know neutralize it neutralize it yeah and i'm and and uh, um you know nate diaz the person he was fighting at the time you know I, i've met nate great you know great guy great fighter and he's calling it oh that's touch butt you know like they're just playing touch butt <laughs> but when i was watching that of uh, connor mcgregor training i was like what Dude, that's not that fool's that fool's te- learning doing tai chi man like yeah yeah and i i think that goes back to one of my earlier points is that we they've we've got stuff to learn from each other i mean like i yeah. uh yeah i mean like uh and the correct me like let me correct me if i'm wrong but most most masters or most founders of, of martial arts systems my understanding is they start from like a fairly external or i'm okay again this is like yeah. Uh, me trying to me, me like being very discriminatory, but like more external art for the for the sake of the word external and move more towards internal, right? And there's different interpretations of what that means, you know. But like I guess a good example is Aikido. Oh, Sensei, he started as like he learned different like external martial arts. He was like a farmer, like he he did a lot of farming. He's very sturdy dude, right? And then eventually he gravitated more towards you know Aikido and stuff like and then like the founder of bagua supposedly had some you know history as a bandit possibly his, his history is kind of like so chola foot like it, it's a mix of both external internal or what, what's going on there i guess well i guess is is it true that for, for your grandmaster did he like because it sounds like he he could be silky smooth but I'm assuming he started in fairly strong or more externalized kind of training regimen i'm guessing well, when you talk about external versus internal, this is what I've been told and what I've read upon or uh, I've come across. The northerners in ancient China or old China were tend to be the aristocrats in the military. So they had lots of time on their hands to get good at martial arts. So Taiji, Bagua, Xingyi, all the internal martial arts tend to, become, uh, tend to come from the north. They say that to, in order to be really good at Tai Chi, you have to studied for 10 years to make it to be good enough to apply it in the fight. Right. The Southern martial arts were more um, for need. So you start off learning how to fight right away, and then you get into the, the developing of the chi. So with Choi Foot, they, it was made so that you could fight within six months, but then, you know, or just to be you know capable and, and just thrown out there. And then, as you get good, you start learning more internal stuff. And then the internal martial arts, you get, you start off really slow, you do lots of internal training. And then once you get really good, you start doing more external stuff. Mm. So in the end, it's 
it's covering the same spectrum. It's just starting from different ends. Okay. Eddie, do you agree with that? I I do, but I see your point too, James, with like, maybe it has to do with the age too. Maybe when you're younger and you're learning martial arts, you're physically capable of doing the the moves, you know, in chole foot or whatever you're practicing. And then as you get older and you get injured and I can, I, I, you know, I can admit like it's affected me a lot, like injuries. And I can't, I can't do certain moves like I used to before simply because my knee is, won't twist that way or I've had damage to it. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to try and pra- I'm going to practice some internal martial arts, you know, the other side of the spectrum. Right. I'm not saying it's the same story for everyone, but I'm sure that has some effect on some people, you know, like you get older and you just can't move as quick as, as like a, a, a 15, 16, 17 year old kid that's been training since they're five, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to just somehow, you know, you just have to just round out your repertoire, learn the internal martial art, and uh, and hopefully, you know, like you can take some of your external training that you had and and modify it so you can be like a complete martial artist. Right. Hmm. I mean, do you agree? I mean, that's kind of like what I was thinking. I was thinking it was just more of you know, you start out like you're not going to have like a success teaching a seven year old like internal martial arts. <laughs> I think it's going to be difficult. It's there's but... a few that that could do it, but. I mean, it de- it depends on personality too. Maybe there's some really yeah. peaceful, very peaceful right. seven year olds out there. You know, totally. I mean, you guys have kids, right? So like, I don't know. I mean, no way, we- my kids no way. never, <laughs> never. <laughs> I guess maybe start external then. <laughs> yeah, but there are though. You're right. There's an exception to every rule, but I've just seen that it tends to be no uh, totally i mean from my ex- my own experience like dude like i i remember wrestling kids and when i was in grade school and like you know just like trying to just like you know r- being rough and tumble right and it seems that yeah. based on you know like being being young it seems that yeah you want to try to get all that excess energy but then i realize yeah now i have like you know my lower back gets tight and like I'm trying yeah. to figure out ways to be more efficient because, you know, we ain't young anymore, right? Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Dan, yeah. do you you want to keep going or you want to wrap it up? What do you want to do? I think we should probably wrap it up. Um, um, I think yeah. for this time, instead of Language Corner, I kind of want to do something different, is that, if that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of maybe like a, a martial art tip, you know, <laughs> like one martial art tip that we've picked up recently or want to share. Um, I'll, I'll go first to give an example, I guess. Um, uh, so here, yeah, martial art tips, yay. Um, one, one thing I, so I was doing push hands the other, uh, last week. Um, and this is over in Santa Monica and, um, I was trying to push a guy and like, you know, this, this other guy is much more experienced than me. He's pushing me around. And another guy who was more experienced watching us said, told, told me, Hey James, you're, he felt my lower back and it's like, you know, your spine, your spine is really tight. You gotta, you gotta relax that lower, lower back. I'm like, okay. Um, and you know, like it, it does get kind of annoying. Like, Hey, just relax, just relax. You know, like a lot of martial arts teachers say that, but like, what does that mean exactly? Right. Cause people need certain, and I was just talking to one of my, um, my Baji brothers about this and he agrees. Like there's a lot of verbal cues that martial arts teachers give, but they're very vague or general. Right. So I asked him, "Hey, do you have any tips? You know, like to lo- to to loosen the lower back?" And he's like, "Oh," um, and then you know, there's this traditional side where he like doesn't want to tell me all the secrets right away, but he's just like, uh, "You know what? Here, here, I'll, I'll send you this uh, exercise." So like, 
Did you guys know the Huang's five loosening exercises? Do you guys know that one? No, no I do not. Huang, no. Huang, I forget his the full name, but he has this. Ex, I'll try to include a link in the in the post, but yeah, he has these five loosening exercises that are helping with like lower back. So that's like one cool thing. So like it's kind of like you know swinging your arms, you know, across your body, one from the front, one in the back. That's like a typical Tai Chi move, right? And you kind of want to relax your quad, your your um, your 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 hips, uh, and why as you do it. And there's another one where you cross your hands in front of you, and you just swing the arm, you know, in front of you, and crossing uh, inter crossing your hands. Um, so stuff like like simple movements like that. I don't know when when I was doing, it, I was like, oh hey, he's right. It's helping with loosening my 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 lower back because I think once you tighten what do they call it the the min i think it's like the uh minman right I, f I forget the actual chinese term but like once that area gets super tight it's really easy to get pushed i i, I found but yeah so that's my martial art tip is the huang's five loosening exercises like different exercises to help loosen the lower back but yeah yeah you guys have any tips eddie do you want to go first you can go do you have one i have I think I have one. <laughs> if you have one, go for it. It's I'm kind of like um, like what James was saying with the lower back. I've noticed that um, I like to to emphasize um, like keeping my hips tucked. And so, what does that mean? Keep your hips tucked. And it basically means like um, your your lower back has this arch where it arches like the curve is outward, like towards you know it curves out. And we teach you to take your try to like reverse that curve you take your butt and you try to tuck it in underneath or it could be like hey if you just had to do a pelvic thrust with just standing where you are you right. just thrust your you know your pelvis forward like um i think y'all know what i'm talking about but you just and it takes your butt and it tucks underneath and it, and it, it kind of strains out your spine a little bit and i've noticed that when um people sometimes if their lower back is um not if their butt is not tucked in, if their lower back is totally curved its natural way, um, when you get pushed towards the top, you tend to, or if you get struck or kicked, um, you don't really have, you're kind of, you're kind of going to always go back because you don't have your butt tucked in to keep your, um, oh, man, I picked a tough one to describe <laughs> over, the, over the phone. We should do a video, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, just keeping your, your butt tucked in underneath, like this pelvic thrust type motion. No, I know what allows, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, has me, it allows me to have more flexibility up top. I can I can move, I can stretch, I can reach, I can react if I get kicked or hit, um, uh, and still keep my legs kind of firmly on the ground. Right, but I guess... Having... Sorry, go ahead, yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, like, I guess... With, with moderation, right? Because I sometimes find myself having my 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 pelvic bone thrust too much outwards. You know, sometimes. Oh, yes. Well, I'm leaning yeah, backwards, or, so that's the extreme. Whereas, yeah, of there's course. there's people who have like lordosis where like the butt's sticking out, and you don't want that. So it's like no, I I tucking your butt in. It would depend like, on the person, obviously. But right, yeah, right. that's another. Yeah, it, it would just be like with moderation, obviously. Right. Well, I think do you do zan zhuang? Do you do standing meditation at all, or standing? Uh, we, we do, okay, we do some. I should do more, but um, it's the same idea too, right? Right, because like you stand long enough. You can't you can't hold it too, your butt too yeah. far out. Yeah, 
it fin- it naturally has to sit somewhere and yeah 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 well that's where all your weight settles you know that's where you know all the nerves are and and your sciatic nerve and everything is right there so if if you just allow things to be too open then they can start to get pinched or you could just you know hernias and stuff happen that yeah way. I, I just you but you're right you can't overdo it you overdo it then it's overkill it's too much right right dan yes what do you got so mine is doing things with intent oh uh, beautiful I, yes yeah everyone used to say that and whether you're just shadow boxing because your your type of martial art does not have a forms or a kata but if you have forms or a kata or you're shadow boxing you should always imagine punching with intent you want to imagine something and you're punching because if you do a form without that intent it's kind of a little lifeless even if you have power there's something a little missing that if you compare two different people doing the same thing, the person with intent will look more powerful and stronger because they're visualizing what they're doing. Yeah, so, totally. Like, and you know what it is? I think it's I think it's neurological, right? It's like by visualization, it sort of transfers, and this is kind of like internal, external, kind of like from the internal, it gets external. But like neurologically, your body is receiving some sort because. When you're thinking of something, you're imaging because what what is what is movement? I mean, it's basically your brain telling it's it's sending a a a spark towards your muscles to create a certain motion, right? Now, if you have, I think with no, you you hit, totally hit it like with intent for some. And I don't know the neuroscience behind it, but it's trans it's translating something into your body, and just by thinking in a certain way, it changes how the person moves, like. When I do my forms now, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm working on it. it it's getting better, but I, I was do, I was practicing earlier today, Baji with a friend, and, um, and he told, he told me, hey, try that again, but do it with like more intent, you know, like, like you're actually like striking there, or like you're actually trying to focus on, you know, like with one punch coming out, where's the, the other force going back, you know, like the, the yin yang balancing, right? And when I, when I focused on that, that balancing and like the. It just like it felt better and he could see it visually so it's crazy i don't know it's that's intense it's ridiculous yeah yeah it's, it's i would think of it like like target practice you're just you you have a target you look at it you aim the gun you fire as opposed to just going to the range and just practicing shooting the actual gun not actually hitting anything just just pre- you know pulling the trigger but are you intently looking at the target, focusing, you know, each time you pull the trigger, are you trying right. to hit that target every time? That's how you get good. You don't get good by going to the range and just blasting off rounds. Mind, like mindless <laughs> so training. That totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because there's something that, there's something called mindless training sometimes. And like, you're yeah. just like, oh yeah, just run, just run. Like, they train you like a yeah. soul. Yeah, just, oh, just punch, just punch. But like, no, I think that's a, what you're, damn, what you're talking about is deeper level, deeper level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. well, thank you, Eddie, for joining our, our podcast. No, thank you for asking me. I appreciate it, guys. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess. I have lots of fun. Cool. Yeah. We should. Yeah. I want to try to get you know some more stylists, and maybe we can we can all like talk again about martial arts in the future. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. 
thanks guys nice All to right. meet you guys and yeah. thank you very much well that, i guess you know damn but yeah nice to meet you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you guys are like childhood Sorry. friends yeah nice that's to meet my you. generic goodbye yeah, thanks everyone nice yeah. to meet you all <laughs> Right. Thanks, awesome. Guys. Thank you. All right. This is James, aka Young, signing off. This is Dan, aka Yin, signing off. All right. Have a good Until night. Until next time. Until next yep. time.